Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 12 of the Big Nickel IDP podcast on the Big Three Network. I am your host, John Macri, PFF's IDP specialist and data analyst. Uh, we've got another banger this week, as the kids say, building off of uh, last episode with the great Z-Mags and I uh, covered the 2021 IDP breakout candidates. You can go back and listen to that if you haven't already. But we're now shifting to potential bounce back candidates uh, for the 2021 season. And joining me to break it all down, he is the Dynasty and IDP ranker for Dynasty Football Factory, future co-host of the Getting Defense of IDP podcast, projector of defensive schemes, and Pete Werner advocate, the magnificent Dynasty Trip. Trip, how are you doing on this fine evening? I'm doing well, John. I appreciate you having me on. It's, it's exciting to be a first-time guest on your pod, and I've been a listener for all 11 episodes, and I admire the work, and I'm happy to be on and talk some bounce-back candidates and some IDP fantasy football. I'm looking forward to football season starting. Awesome, man. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, you've been... Uh, putting out a lot of good work yourself and obviously it shows now you're going to be on a, your own podcast with uh, with the idp tipster there gary on on getting defensive so that's pretty exciting to to you know get more of you out into the into the world too and and your knowledge out there it'll be fun so yeah, yeah i think people will get a lot out of that well thank you i appreciate it now i do the great thing about podcasting is people can't throw tomatoes through the internet so (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah you could just block the tomatoes with the block button or the mute button whatever (laughs) yeah 100 percent. though that's good i'm 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 glad that uh you're you're getting more uh more work out there because you yeah everything that you've done i've enjoyed reading and 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 having to look at and so now to get to to hear you do some more work in the podcast world will be cool and i'm glad to have you on this one as well i've been looking forward to it for a while now um since we we talked way back when we we first started booking guests which is like kind of the spring i guess so we're well into the summer here and um yeah this will be this will be fun we got a pretty decent sized list of uh, of potential bounce back guys so um i know you brought a, a lot of names to the list as well and uh i'm looking forward to to going over them with you yeah, man, me too. That's like the nice thing about having a long list is you're going to hit a couple of them. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> We're just going to, yeah, do a little widespread net and uh, hope before you lose. <laughs> no, I actually think the bounce back candidates are hard. So that's why I was, you know, I was like, I'll take a shot at that. We'll see how that goes. So, you know, some of the other ones are a little easier in some ways. You know, who, who can have that V shaped curve in their recovery? It's just hard to predict. So I'm excited to talk through it with you. Yeah, for sure. And and yeah, you're right. It is. It's like a it's you don't know like if it's is this player really on the decline? Like are they, you know, going to start declining in their um production and their overall play and stuff like that or or was it just a bad year? Like one of the things that I that I've learned kind of just watching football over the years is is like player progression is not like this linear uh, thing that you know the players just get better and better every year there's up and down years that happen we've seen that with with every player pretty much um so it, it'll be interesting i mean we'll see how many of these guys um actually do bounce back or how many of them end up you know just ending up on the decline uh or aren't that good really so uh, <laughs> we'll we'll see um but yeah, either either way i think i think we got some pretty good arguments for for why these guys can be bounce back candidates. So I'm definitely, yeah, I'm excited to, to go over them with you for sure. Awesome. All right. And then 
you've you, like you said you've been listening to the podcast so you're familiar with the the Mount Rushmore question that we've been doing and uh, and last last uh, episode uh, Z Megs had had a different way of kind of approaching it he he brought like future names that he think will, thinks will be on the uh, IDP Mount Rushmore for for this kind of decade or next year few years stretch. Um, so that was that was cool, and and then you messaged me and you had an idea for a different way to kind of approach it as well. So why, why don't you explain? Uh, sure, how your Mount Rushmore is going to work? Sure. Well, I've, I've listened to the like I said the other eleven pods you've had, and each time you've asked, well, who's on your Mount Rushmore? And so the way I interpreted that is, who's been the most valuable to me? And so I actually haven't been playing IDP fantasy football for all that long. I I played football since I was in the second grade and I've always played defense. And so I've always been a fan of defensive football. And for a lot of reasons, I didn't get into IDP until like 20 years after I started playing fantasy football. <laughs> and so because of that, I only have a handful of years to choose guys from. But what, where I started from was, was finding value on players. and Who can I get? that's going to give me points. And so um, that I can get cheaply because I started playing fantasy football or IDP fantasy football by assuming orphans. And uh, who can I add to that? So, um, you know, I, you, you had a lot of JJ Watt and Luke Keekley, as you mentioned on the last pod. And yeah, I, I get that. And so, it, <laughs> if, but if you're looking at, you know, who's the most valuable uh, over the cost of acquiring them, whether that's the draft capital or the replacement player idea of warp, um, then my list looks a little different. And so I'm going to start with a homer pick. My homer pick is Grady Jarrett because I'm a Clemson alum. I like me some Grady Jarrett. He's like the one stud defensive tackle in the NFL that wasn't a first, first, first round pick in the real NFL draft and he's come on fire in, in Atlanta and I feel like every year there are IDP analysts and even regular NFL football guys that want to say oh he's not really that good uh, you know I don't know if he, did he get lucky I mean, he has had you know what has proven to be junk on the edges of that defense for years and he's done nothing but produce year, at, year in and year out so I'm yeah. also a big fan of using defensive tackles in fantasy football and I'm saying anybody should have to, but to me, folding the defensive tackles with the with the edges is with the DL or the DNs is like folding the tight ends together with the wide receivers. And right. Yeah, there's an argument for that, but I'm a fan of playing with the hog mollies. I I enjoy watching the Biggins play football, so that's my choice of defensive tackle. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you there, absolutely. I, I'm. I would much rather prefer DT required leagues. And some of the guys that we got on here, even today, um, defensive tackle players, a lot of the, um, the breakout stuff too. Like some of the breakout guys that I mentioned last episode were defensive tackle players. Yeah. You love those guys. And and yeah, it's not really fair to mix them in there with the defensive ends because those guys are the, they're the ones that get the sacks and put up the big numbers. Right. But much harder to rush from the interior. So we want to give those guys a little bit of respect and, and yeah, Grady Jarrett is is a great one because he he puts up numbers, great pass rush numbers from from the interior of the line, and he's been doing it yeah for a long time. Mm-hmm. My second guy is um, Malcolm Jenkins, and the reason why is because Malcolm Jenkins is almost always free. <laughs> Don't really get why. <laughs> like he, you can get him in the last round of drafts. You can trade your last pick in a rookie draft for him, and he's always producing. He's always a safety one. He's always putting up numbers. I saw a tweet literally an hour ago, and it talked about how he was the only guy in the NFL last year to have ninety tackles, two sacks, and three picks, and ten passes defense. And he just keeps getting it done. And so it's you know it's easy to make an argument to say, hey, well, we want to get Jeremy Chin or Buda Baker, and yes, those guys are excited to have on your roster, but if you can get uh, 
Jenkins, the, the cost of nothing. Well, I think you got to chase those other positions and, and, and land a guy like Jenkins. And I, he's on all my, so many of my rosters every year, redraft dynasty, and he just keeps making things happen. They, those defense puts them in a position to make plays. They put them close to the line of scrimmage and, and, um, he's in the slot. He's blitzing. And <clears throat> so I, he, I like to watch him play. I'm a fan of safety. So I just, I enjoy watching the safeties go out and, and play the lumber. And so he's a guy that I've been, you know, He's, he's not even on teams I like or anything. He's just a guy that I'd like to watch play football. So. Yeah, definitely. He's like, like reliability is so important for, for IDP yeah. I find. And like Malcolm Jenkins has been like a picture of reliability, basically like the guy just every single week, he's putting up tackle numbers for you. And then he's adding on to that with big plays when you need them. And yeah, Malcolm Jenkins is awesome. I, I think he gets faded because he's, you know, he's getting older and stuff like that. Everybody wants the new younger faces, but a hundred percent Malcolm Jenkins is, mm-hmm. uh, is worth the, is total value and, and is worth a, a safety one spot in your lineup every week. So mm-hmm. nice call. At uh, at um, the third third spot, I'll give you a John Bostic, which is a total nice. curveball. And I, the reason why is again because he's free. You know, it's like yeah. I I started playing IDP just a few years ago, and John Bostic was on the Colts, and I had that team I've mentioned take over an orphan, and it has nothing at linebacker, just nothing. It's, it's a sixteen team format, and for start three linebackers. And so my my approach to it is like, well. I, Okay, well, I'll go in there and see who I can't find on the waiver wire and pick up some guys and who's and then make it work. Right. Because I took over a team that had who the guy had clearly built a, what he thought was a win now team. It didn't work out and he just mailed it in and left the league. And so I go thinking I'll, I'll go to this fantasy football website and that site and I'll find some guys that are good waiver wire pickups. And what I, what I found is that. I didn't find the information I was looking for. And so I just started doing the research myself and I started um, just following beat writers and training camp reports and like, who is going to assume a starting role that people aren't paying attention to yet? And the answer was John Bostic on the Indianapolis Colts. And so, and you know, he's had a resurgence there in Washington now too. And he was a starter again, basically free. <laughs> he's basically playing full time. He's getting a hundred tackles and you know, it cost me nothing to acquire. And he's on my roster. I just, I love to land those kinds of guys and rely on those. And uh, there was the IDP invitational last year, which you might've played in and there was 96 people and um, IDP guys out of work, put that on uh, Seahawks. Dan eight was uh, instrumental in doing that for charity. And I'm pretty sure that I was the last person to draft an IDP in that league. John Boston was on my team. And I'm pretty sure Malcolm Jenkins was too. You know, I just love to find those values. I mean, that's just, that's just, you know, kind of how I've taught myself to play IDP basically. So um, that's just yeah. my coaching. I love it. Yeah. John Bostic. It's funny. Every time I think of John Bostic too. So you talk about him being cheap and he is, he's, he's cheap every single year. Um, but for our home league, uh, that, that year you're talking about when he first started for the Colts, we were watching, um, it was me and, and, and a few friends and they're, we're all in the same league together and we're watching, uh, the Colts preseason game and John Bostic like lit it up in this preseason game, right? He had all these tackles and, and they're talking about like, this is going to be their starter, blah, blah, blah. So me and a buddy, were kind of just looking at each other, like this guy's available in our, in our league. So we went to the, <laughs> we went to the waiver wire, which our waiver wire was, it's an auction bidding, um, mm-hmm. 
system. So he ended up being like one of the most expensive linebackers in, in the league uh, that first year because we were both obsessed with him and just kept bidding him up just based on this one preseason game that he showed and, and was going to be a starter. And we knew we were just going to sign him to a one-year contract, but he was he was a really expensive linebacker, linebacker for us that first year. So I, he's, he's cheap now. He's free every single year. But that one one year in that one league, he was he was one of the most expensive players for us because of that preseason game. <laughs> <laughs> and y'all aren't even Colts fans. It'd be one thing. I know, it yeah. Little than yeah. Indianapolis. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just fell in love with this guy. Just I can't even remember what the st- – I got to look it up and find out what that stat line was from that preseason game that made us really like him because, yeah, it was enough that we were both like – we got into a bidding war and I, I think I ended up winning it, but then ended up trading him to him. It was like, it was a whole thing. <laughs> oh yeah. That, that makes good sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cash out. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> what was really fascinating about that lead that year too, with the Colts is it really taught me a lot about watching defenses and schemes and whatnot, because I, there was a pattern too. So the, his um, running mate was Antonio Morrison and yeah. playing in the middle. And then, the, the big guy that everybody wanted in from the Colts that year was Clayton Gathers. And of course he got hurt immediately. And then Matthias Farley comes behind him. And I watched this pattern where every time the Colts would get blown out, Morrison would rack up tackles. And every time the Colts won a close game, Matthias Farley would rack up tackles mm. in place. It was really interesting to follow that pattern. Just that, you know, they're forced into a, a base set and getting run on. And Morrison is only feasting because he's getting run against him. He right. wasn't good to stay on the field. And so Farley's playing down in the box when it was really interesting to watch. I learned a lot about just following schemes, watching, paying attention to the Colts that year and just, which I'm not a Colts fan and never lived in Indiana. So just kind of a fun thing to, to learn. It's just, Mm-hmm. I enjoyed it. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I hadn't really, yeah, I guess it, it makes sense, right? Like when you know teams are behind the, or teams are winning and they're up big, they're going to run more. So you're not going to run, you know, uh, split safeties in the in the secondary. You're just going to have you know fill the box and uh, and try to stop the run. So that's that's a cool little mm-hmm. um, pattern to pick up on pretty early. All right, yeah. and then who's your last name on the? <laughs> Matt Last guy is, is, is I'm going to give you Chandler Jones because nobody nice. said have you fewer prolific, more prolific pass rushers in the league over the last five to 10 years. And the reason why he's not on anybody else's Mount Rushmore is because he gets an LB tag and I had a DE tag. So my turn to stump for true positions. I know. <laughs> it just drives me crazy that we have some of the most prolific pass rushers in the league that aren't relevant for IDP. I said, come on, let's get this fixed. You know, let's have the, the best players be the best IDP options. We've got a long way to go on the cornerback position, but at least we can get this fixed with the pass rushers. <clears throat> Yeah, I agree. It's 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 like it was one. It's always been one of the most frustrating things is when you get those guys like Von Miller, Chandler Jones. I mean, even like T.J. Watt now and and Zedarius Smith. These guys that are really good pass rushers that are listed as linebackers, and they're just not scoring the same because they're because of one stupid designation. But yeah, I I I feel like the edge rusher designation eventually is going to be like standard. Um, it's got to get there at some point. Uh, MFL, I. I shout out to um, Adam Zekis who put together a nice little um, like app to to switch over all these players that are listed as linebacker uh, to like a defensive end des- designation and, and make them edge rushers because that 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 really changes so much. I mean, it, it's made um, the linebacker position more valuable, and it's it's made uh, the players that play on the edge more valuable. So. Um, 
yeah, it's it's a it's a huge thing, and and I'm I'm with you 100. True position is the way to go, and yeah, if you're playing true position, Chandler Jones is an absolute monster. He always mm-hmm. has been. Um, yeah. yeah, he there was last year for him. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But we'll see. I, I think he'll bounce back too. He didn't. He's not. Uh, ironically enough, he's not one of our bounce back candidates. But uh, um, you never know. We'll we'll see. I mean, he is getting older too, right? So. Yeah. Well, I, as far as remember, there was that year and Steve Wilkes was the defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. He was the deep tag that one year. And right. Well, I was working that trade in away for a first round pick that year. <laughs> <laughs> but then nice. this guy goes to nil again the next year because he goes back to linebacker. But yeah. yeah. It's just, yeah, I mean it's a good point. I I don't know. I didn't I didn't put him on the list either. Maybe we should talk about it at the end just for prosperity's <laughs> sake. <laughs> yeah, I mean he's he definitely has the potential. He's always been like one of the best pass rushers in the NFL. And I you know even before he got hurt last year, he didn't he didn't play a lot, but he was he was having a bit of a down year um, before he got hurt, so he wasn't grading out as well. I remember yeah. that, and um, obviously Hassan Reddick came in there and, and took his place and played well, but. Yeah, playing opposite JJ Watt too will be interesting and see how those two work together. So, yeah, he'd be like an honorable mention then for us for, uh, for Chandler. Oh, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's a that's a really cool list. I like it a lot. Um, I like that idea of of value too, and it's it's that's such an important thing in fantasy football is like is being able to find these guys and not overpay because you can. You can, especially IDP linebackers and stuff like that, safeties, especially too. Like, there's, it, it's such a deep position that you can find a lot of these guys. You don't have to get Darius Leonard every, every draft. And, um, you can find a, yeah, like a John Bostick. And, you know, he's not going to put up the exact production, but it'll be good enough to float your team of the week and hope your offense does the rest. So, <clears throat> absolutely. You think about the guys that, you know, gain the tight end position. Now, Kelsey has busted them a little bit, but, you right. know, in m- many years, they take the guy who they think is the top tight end and that guy goes for 900, maybe a thousand yards, eight touchdowns. And then the people who are fading the position just take two guys into rounds 12 right. and 13 and redraft and they get, they piece it together. 80% of the production they could have got from the third round. It's just, it's the same premise in the linebacker safety for me. Yep. Definitely. Cool. All right. So we'll move on to the the list here of uh, bounce back candidates. Um, and, and, and basically what we're looking at players that kind of had like down years in, in 2020 or didn't perform well relative to what their expectations were. Um, and, and guys that who we guys that we believe are primed to get back to form in 2021. So we've come up with our own players. Uh, we ended up with a pretty decent sized list. Like I said before, um, work through. So, uh, yeah, without further ado, let's kick it off here with, uh, one of your guys uh, at the top of the list on the Denver Broncos. Well, I got Alexander Johnson, also known as AJ at the top of my list. And uh, there's uh, several reasons for this. First of all, I, it, this guy is one of those guys, just like John Boston, who just doesn't get respected, doesn't get drafted and people don't want him. And heck you and I are in an IDP only league right now. And he's still on the board, but an awful lot of linebackers are gone. <laughs> and um, I think part of the first piece of this is that the Broncos defense is going to be better. And the biggest reason that they're going to be better is because the cornerbacks have got a huge upgrade. Their cornerback situation was a mess last year. And the reason why that's important for AJ Johnson is because he led all off ball linebackers in blitz. 
according to Pro Football Reference. And he had one sack on 115 blitz attempts. Compare that to Devin White, who had 91 blitz attempts and got nine sacks. So I think with Von Miller back on the field, uh, cornerbacks were capable of holding their coverage a little bit longer. But A.J. Johnson has some upside from that in one sack for, for, for blitz. And he has been blitzing both years. He's been a starter. And in the meantime, the tackle production has been there. He has 124 tackles last year and 16 games. 93 the year before on 12 games. So he has an LB2 tackle floor. He converts, you know, five or six of those blitzes to sacks instead of one. All of a sudden he's in the LB1 conversation and he's a guy that's cheap that no one's talking about that you can add to your roster and you can, and have production. So I'm, that's, that's a, a big one for me. <laughs> Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, that was that was the main thing that stood out with uh, to me for him was the the blitz numbers, right? We have him at 145 pass rush snaps, so similar to what uh, PFR had put up there, but it was the third most among all linebackers in 2020. So it, it, he just ended up being like terribly inefficient in that regard. So, like you said, Devin White put up those nine sacks. I mean, if AJ Johnson converts another three of those, something like that, that changes a big narrative on him too, especially in big play leagues. Right. So, um, you know, he, and you're right. He's definitely a guy that slept on. He's, I, I do wonder, like, so he's kind of this late bloomer, uh, in the, for the, for the NFL. I think he entered the league when he was like 27 already. So, um, but he graded out extremely well, like in his, his first year, um, he, he I think he finished with a, actually have it right here 88.5 overall grade uh in his first year with a 91.4 run defense grade and a 76.3 coverage grade so really good numbers from a guy playing in his first year he was a bit older but i wonder like if he came into the league as like a rookie like a typical rookie 22 or 21 um, 23 even a little bit younger i do wonder if the narrative on him is a little bit different and people are a little bit more excited about him but i, I think everybody's kind of aware that he's this he's a little bit of an older player and um you know the broncos drafted baron browning who's also a good blitzer and and can play the edge too if he needs it but i I still think aj johnson is going to start this year um i I think if anybody loses out to baron browning it's probably jose jewel um so i think there's still a role for johnson and like you said he put up those like decent tackle numbers 124 tackles i think you said um it's yeah if he can get home with the with the sacks as well i think uh, i think it's a big year for him so that that makes sense i like that one yeah. Another piece of, of the puzzle, too, is that the Broncos used the restricted free agent tag on them. They used the second round tender. So that's, it right. gives you an idea of how they value. And so I like that, too. You talk about who's going to lose their job. I, th- I agree. I think it's Josie Jewell rather than Alexander Johnson. The one. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Good. That's a good point. Um, so another one of the guys on your list was a, another Denver Broncos player. Uh, and it is Bradley Chubb. What do you like about uh, Bradley Chubb? I, I think he's a good player. <laughs> I think he's a good pass rusher. He had 57 pressures last year and he, you know, didn't convert as many sacks, uh, only uh, eight, uh, according to pro football focus numbers. But, um, uh, he lost Von Miller's bookend and we talked a bit about the cornerbacks and it's the same principle there that we mentioned with the cornerbacks. I think that having a better defense and I have some faith in Vic Faggio as a defensive coordinator to get this thing right. And I think that with the added talent they have in that defense, it will be a, a rising tide. And I think uh, the difference between a pressure and a sack is in a lot of cases that ability of the coverage to hold. And with the jump that they rolled out a cornerback with 
Osby and Ojemudia and everybody else last year. It's going to be a big upgrade to have um, um, the Alabama guy, uh, uh, Sertain. And um, then they brought in uh, Fuller from the Bears and Darby from the from Washington. I think they have a you know substantially improved um, defensive backfield. And so I'm optimistic really for the entire Broncos defense to take a step forward. And Chubb, I mean, he's entering his prime with return respect to age and development as a pass rusher. And so I, he's a guy that I, I like a lot. And he, another guy that's just a whole lot cheaper. It's kind of remarkable too. I mean, one of the knocks against AJ Johnson is no draft capital. Chubb was, I think, fourth overall pick and people are just letting it go. And part of it may be because the folks playing the, conven- the conventional position leagues, not thinking about him because he's an LB, but um, folks that are in two right. position leagues need to be on this guy as, as a top end pick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it was, yeah. Fifth overall or something like that. Fourth or fifth overall, oh, like you said. And yeah, he's mm-hmm. a really good, his rookie year was like 12 sacks, uh, <laughs> he had 12 sacks yeah. and, and 60 tackles as a rookie from, from the edge position. So, you know, he got, he got hurt in, in 2019. I think he just had the one sack that year, but you're right. Like they, the coverage makes a huge difference for turning pressures into sacks. Um, and then, yeah, a lot of things can go can go their way. Even having Von Miller back, even though Von Miller isn't what uh, you know we know Von Miller to be, he's you know he's slowed down a little bit as he's as he's gotten older. He's still a really good uh, pass rusher, and I, I think that he'll make a big difference too if he can flush out some of the pressure to Bradley Chubb and and Chubb can convert some of those pressures into sacks. I mean, you can turn seven and a half sacks back into twelve, no problem. Um, and you're right, he is he's one of the the better pass rushers in the league. Um, I think this was actually his best best season from a pass rush grade standpoint he had a 79.4 pass rush grade for the year so that was even better than the year that he got those 12 sacks Um, I think he had like a 72.7 pass rush grade that year so um, you're right he's he's just getting into his prime and and if you're playing in yeah the true position league he's he should be one of the top uh, edge defenders out there for sure awesome all right so uh, next one is a name off of my list here, and that is CJ Mosley. Um, so Mosley with the Jets, uh, linebacker. For me, we hadn't seen Mosley in a couple of years, basically now. Um, he opted out last year because of COVID. Uh, and his first year with the Jets, he only played two games. So he's he's supposed to be back this year. He's fully healthy, um, apparently motivated to play. And the most important thing for me is basically there's no real threat to playing time on this Jets roster uh, for Mosley to get on the field. I, I think he'll have every opportunity to, to be out there and put up big time numbers. Uh, you know, if you look at what somebody like Neville Hewitt did last year, on the jets he was like lb 15 on fantasy pro scoring and the guys i mean let's be honest he's an average linebacker on his best day neville hewitt is um so if mosley can get you those 130 tackles whatever it was i I don't think i i don't think that would be an issue for him if he's playing 16 17 games uh in a season so uh and and he's he's been one of the top graded linebackers as well which is is a, a nice thing to kind of uh have at least you know, knowing that he's one of the better players is going to keep him on the field. So when we last saw him in, in 2018, really that full-time role, I'm not going to count 2019. Cause like I said, he only played those two games, but basically from the time he, he entered the league in 2014 till when he last played, he's been a top 25 graded player at his position. Um, and then from a fantasy standpoint, he, He's finished, and if this is just going by fantasy pro scoring, he's finished as LB6, LB12, 
uh, LB 38 one year because he missed a few games, but then he was LB one in 2017. And then in 2018, he missed a few games again, was LB 38. So he's always been this, you know, top end linebacker for IDP. I know he's, he's getting older too. He's 29 now, but that's, that's not any kind of reason to fade him if he's going to be a full-time player. Um, you know, he might not be putting up those LB one numbers again, but like I said, if you're starting somebody like Neville Hewitt, because he's a starter and playing every snap in the jets defense, you can play somebody like CJ Mosley and potentially be getting better numbers. So, um, no Adam Gase there anymore. He's got a new defensive coordinator and head coach. I think uh, it's an up and coming defense in 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 New York, and Mosley should be kind of the the middle of the field uh, general there for for the Jets defense. Hundred percent agree on Mosley. I'm a uh, well, you know my I got Jared Davis next on the list because I concur entirely with all the <laughs> things you say about the Jets and the opportunity. So that Mosley was a good player. It's it's interesting that he took the year off and like like we. That said the two year before that was just strictly lost injury. I remember watching that game on Monday night where he tried to come back and he was so badly handicapped by the injury. It was, it was awful to watch. And so, yeah, yeah he's, um, he, he's a good player. Uh, he's not, he's not 30 years old yet. Uh, I'm confident that he can come back in shape and, and make a difference. And certainly the Jets um, coaching staff is, is depending on him to do that. You just look at the investments that they made in linebacker and it's next to nothing. I mean, they're right now they're rolling out Hamza Nasrul Dean as the third linebacker and he's a sixth round rookie. So they're counting on Mosley. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, speaking of Jets linebackers, the, the guy on your list here, uh, Jared Davis. Yeah, I'm just doubling down, right? I mean, yeah, I look at what, <laughs> what Robert Sale did in, in San Francisco, and they typically roll with with uh, with two linebackers. They had Dre yeah. Greenlaw and uh, Fred Warner out there most snaps, and so uh, Davis is a guy that I wouldn't have been talking about in March when he got signed. But boy, it was a head scratcher. He got paid good money to come in there over five million dollars. You look at some other guys that IDP guys like. Uh, Anthony Walker is making less and Eric Wilson is making less. And so they're paying him to start. And like I said a second ago, Hamza Nasraldine is, is in a battle with Blake Ashman right now to be the third guy. So that tells you that Jared Davis is not under threat to lose that job. He's not going to get 100% of the snaps because he's not going to be out there and dime, but they're not going to play a lot of dime. I think uh, this bounce back candidate, folks don't remember that he had 100 tackles and six sacks one year in Detroit. And, you know, he has some athletic ability and the really big challenge in that, in that defense that uh, the way at least was constructed in San Francisco was, is uh, to recognize play action and get back. And, you know, Fred Warner had a preternatural ability to do it. We'll have to see how well Jared Davis does it. I'm skeptical, but <laughs> apparently the Jeff staff isn't. So you know, yeah. I'm, I'm going to wait until 20 or 30 linebackers come off the board and I'm going to add Davis to my roster in a lot of drafts. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that that's the thing, right? Like there's, there's not great competition for him. And as much as he has not been good as like an NFL prospect getting taken in the first round, um, that five and a half million dollar contract kind of tells you a lot. Right. And, you know, I'm I'm still a big fan of of Jamie and Sherwood, who who they drafted uh, in the fifth round out of Auburn, who who who's apparently they drafted to play linebacker to him and Hamza Nasruddin. Um, so I have like this hope that I'm holding out that Jamie and Sherwood will eventually beat out Jared Davis uh, for a starting role, but. Yeah. 
if he doesn't, I mean, Jared Davis is going to be yeah right there beside CJ Mosley in that kind of Dre Greenlaw role, like you said, in, in Salah's defense as the LB2 and just putting up tackles. That's, you know, one of the things that he he did pretty well was his pass rushing um, so far in his NFL career. It's like a 76.9 pass rush grade for his career. Everything else has been really bad. He kind of sucks there in the 40s, but um you know, if they start to use him as a blitzer, uh, he, he might be able to put up some some bonus points for you as well. So, yeah, I I, I don't mind the call at all, especially um, as a bounce back because yeah, he's just not been good. So, um, a fresh start in a in a opportunity filled system is is definitely a good thing for a Friday P. Mm-hmm. Athletic ability up the wazoo too, man. That guy can run. Yeah. He can hit. It's big. Nice. It's it's a little like John Bostic in a way, right? It's the same same characteristics. So we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there's something that they liked about him, obviously, to give him that contract, despite what the rest yeah. of the league's outlook was on him. But um, mm-hmm. he's, I think he's going to be. Yeah, I think he'll be a starter there for at least the the first half of the season. We'll see if he can hold on to that job. But um, there's there's the, the opportunity is the biggest thing, right? So, all right. Uh, Another guy that has that was really bad last year, um, Corey Littleton. So linebacker for the Las Vegas Raiders. I put on this list. Um, last year was bad. Uh, that's not a secret. I you know I wrote about his struggles on on the Raiders bye week last year, and and things didn't really get better for, for him until he got hurt, and then when he came back from injury. So there were this is kind of what gives me hope with him is that there were these signs of life in the, in the latter half of the season, despite losing the majority of his snaps to, to Nicholas Morrow, he was actually able to improve his grades across the board. So he went from grading in the thirties in the first half of the year to improving to like a 66.2 overall, as well as a a 70.5 coverage grade, which was kind of like his calling card during his tenure with the Rams. um, When he finished as our LB seven and LB, eight respectively those two years in coverage grades so that that was one of the main things that's what got him paid too was that he was known as this good coverage linebacker um but it also kept him on the field it kept him on the field and finishing as a top five idp linebacker in both of those years as well so now you know the word from raiders camp is that gus bradley's scheme is is going to be a lot simpler than paul gunther's um which was definitely part of the problem last year he was doing a lot of things that uh, had him out of position and and players weren't playing well as a whole on that on that defense so the, I, I've read a few things and it sounds like Raiders players are excited about Gus Bradley's scheme. So that that's a good thing. Um, and for me, it just means it gives an opportunity for little Littleton to get back to form. He, he, he's another one of those guys that you, you mentioned the, the contract for Jared Davis. Littleton's like one of the top 10 players um, at his position as far as salary per year goes. Um, so he's going to get used. I think, uh, you know, he might not be that top five IDP linebacker that we saw with him when he was on the Rams, but I think he's going to be a guy that you can set and forget in your lineup in your LB two spot, because he's going to be on the field. And, and like I said, the bounce back opportunity is there for him as, as bad as he was last year, there were signs of life at the end of the year. And um, we know he's a good player. He didn't forget to just, he didn't just forget to play football, um, how to play football. So um, it'll be a good, it'll be a good opportunity for, for Littleton to, to kind of come in and have a better year for IDP at least. And, 
um, he's a guy that you probably get pretty cheap right now because the the overall outlook on him is is extremely low. So, yeah. <laughs> what, are, what are your thoughts on uh, on Littleton? Well, you said something really interesting. You said we all know that he's really good at football, and there's a lot of debate among the IDF crowd about whether or not he's good at football. And I'm going to tell you, I was I was in camp. He's good at football. I'm feeling bad about that because I was recommending him last year. <laughs> but um, this year, I'm I'm a, I'm a little more concerned, I guess. And you are. I've, I got an article that'll drop live here at DynastyFootballFactor.com in a, in a day or two. I'm uh, taking a look at all the Raiders and thinking about how these linebackers fit together. And you mentioned the money that the Littleton's making. He's going to make about 11.7 this year. You got Kwiatkowski making. 7.5 this year. And then Nicholas Morrow is the interesting one. He, he got brought back at 4.5, which is also more than the guys we mentioned with, um, with uh, Wilson and Walker. Mm-hmm. And it tells me that, you know, they didn't have to bring him back. He was, you know, little known guy and they bring him back on a one year deal. It tells me they have plans for him. And, uh, you know, this typical nickel theory is that you got, two, two and a half FTEs worth of linebackers. And you got three guys to break that up. And um, the other thing that I've seen out there is that there's a thought that Littleton might need to play Sam in the same way that KJ Wright played Sam in Seattle last year. And I can't, I don't, I'm having a hard time making sense of what that means. Does that mean that they want him on the field more? Does it mean they want him make room for tomorrow? Does it mean they don't think that he's a, a fit at, you know, at Mike, and that's a really concern for me is I, I remember watching him in 2019 in L.A. playing a Wade Phillips defense. And I don't remember who the starting middle linebacker was that year, but he got hurt early in the season. So they tried to move Littleton to Mike in dime and it was a mess. He couldn't he just didn't look effective in that role. It was more of a read and react role relative to the rest of the spots of Wade Phillips's defense. And so they had to leave Littleton at will. And John Johnson had to play Mike. And so he had a feasting of an IDP season and people got excited about that. And then you look at what happened with Paul Gunther last year. And again, uh, Littleton's asked to do more reading and reacting and he's fallen on his face doing it. I mean, he just, he looks slower to the ball than Devondre Campbell at times. It was just a mess. And I, I didn't, I, like you said, he was more effective when the defense was simplified and he was asked to run to the ball. I mean, I think he's effective in a run and chase role. I just don't know that a run and chase role is a full-time role in Gus Bradley's defense anymore. He's shown more looks, was more multiple last year. And, um, and I, I just, uh, you know, I look at the linebacker mix and the way they were used last year with the snap, snap distributions. Gus Bradley hasn't had full-time linebackers since he was in Jacksonville with Paul Pesloski and Talon Smith. And so I'm concerned about, about, um, about Littleton. I think he could be okay as a player, but as far as being an IDP asset, I, he's the kind of guy that's going to be on my roster, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, last year was definitely eye-opening as far as like him, you know, being capable of, of being a starting linebacker and, you know, the, the Gus Bradley thing, I mean, Kenneth Murray was, was a strong linebacker last year as well for, for the, the chargers. I, he, I think he led the team in snaps as well. And I, that that's kind I see Littleton more in that role, but I'm not, I'm not like a big quiet, quiet guy. And, and Nicholas Morrow, he played well last year in relief of Littleton, but he's, I don't think he, I don't believe in him as kind of a full-time NFL starter as well. At least we've seen signs of Littleton being like a capable player. And the thing too, with, with, um, with the the coaching staff there in the, in Las Vegas with John Gruden, I feel like he's got his guys that he likes. He brought him in, uh, signed him to this massive deal. He's going to be pushing for him to, to see the snaps. So 
that's basically what it comes down to me for for me. What where he plays on the field specifically, you know, I, I don't think um, I, I, I'm not too concerned about that. It's more just what those snap numbers are going to look like. And I, for me, he should be the guy that gets the most snaps. But I, I'm with you. I could definitely see it going the other way too because um, because of how bad he struggled last year. But um, and then the other thing too is they drafted uh, Divine Diablo uh, to play potentially linebacker as well out of Virginia Tech and uh, guys like that. So there's there's obviously uh, concern and there's a lot of different options that can replace him. But um, yeah, I'm kind of in on it now. I'm, I'm just uh, <laughs> I was I was out on him last year when he when he started to when he started to falter. But I he's made me a believer again, and I have this hope. And I do feel bad if he if he doesn't pan out, but um, I'm uh, I'm thinking that he's he's going to be all right. But uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I I, I could I could see what you mean uh, in in not trusting him and not wanting to roster him too. So um, all right, let's go to uh, another guy off your list here, and that is Cameron Jordan uh, from yeah. the New Orleans Saints. I might should have left him in the in the rapid fire towards the end, but uh, the reason we have the rapid fire at the end is because it was for guys that were hurt. Cam Jordan is, is a simple rapid fire issue, right? He he didn't get the numbers because Trey Hendrickson got them. So quarterbacks were fading one way and letting Hendrickson eat him up. I saw a stat where Hendrickson had the biggest differential between, according to NFL next gen stats actual sacks and created sacks like literally half of the sacks were not created sacks and the reason why is people are trying to get away from cam jordan <laughs> so i you know i've seen in drafts him him slide a little bit and i was kind of surprised but i, I guess i see it i mean he's what 32 almost 33 years old and so people are wondering if he's fading i don't believe he's fading i believe he'll be just fine <clears throat> Yeah. I, I mean, Cameron Jordan has been like, we talked about it already about that reliability factor. And Cameron Jordan has been another guy that's just super reliable. He's constantly playing like at least 800 to a thousand snaps a year, uh, every single season. He doesn't really miss any time. He's on the field. He's still one of the top pass rushers out there. Um, yeah, you know, Trey Hendrickson came in last year and he saw the production and it was a dip for Jordan. And, um, you know, there's guys like Marcus Davenport there and, uh, uh, Peyton Turner, who they drafted in the first round, but the one constant really is is Cameron Jordan, and I know he's 32 years old, but still a really good uh, pass rusher, especially relative to you know other players at his position. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm with you. I think uh, I think he can have a better year for sure uh, in in uh, in New Orleans because he's going to get the playing time. All right. Uh, next guy on the list. Oh, this is okay. Mr. Derwin James. So this one is obviously off, off of my list here. I'm a big believer in, uh, in Derwin James, uh, safety for the Los Angeles chargers. I'm wearing the Derwin James Jersey tonight, uh, <laughs> as a, as a sign of respect for, for who should be the safety one by the end of the year. We'll see. Um, but, uh, I'm going to throw away the injury prone label because my, most injury experts will tell you that it's bullshit. Um, at, at the same time though, I think we should wrap Derwin in bubble wrap and just get him to week one. Uh, just, just in case, uh, because I, I need to see Derwin James play this season. Uh, I, I believe he's the most versatile player in the league bar none. Uh, it, it doesn't matter where he lines up on the field. He's going to excel. Um, and I believe that if he, if he plays offense as well, his, his career so far when lined up uh, at different positions on the defensive line, he has an 83 grade 
in the box, 78.9 as a cornerback, 88.8 as a deep safety, 75.9. So nothing below a 75 grade, no matter where he lines up on the fields here in the NFL. Um, I know we didn't see him last year because of, because of injuries. I know we didn't see him for a, a chunk of 2019 because of injuries, but honestly, if he's healthy, there's no real reason to fade him. Uh, the, the two reasons that I've heard are one injuries, but most pe- most players deal with injuries and, Honestly, it's bad luck that it was two years in a row for him. Well, you know, he can very well go the next, the rest of his career without missing time. Who knows? Um, but number two, the other, the other reason I've heard uh, people say that they should fade Derwin James was that he wasn't used the same way he was as a rookie uh, in 2019. But for me, I, I'm not, I don't, I just don't believe that. I, keeping in mind that by the time he came back in 2019 for the Chargers, it was like week 13. The season was lost for them. Um, there was really no reason for them to get creative with him or risk further injury to a, to a franchise player like that. At, at the same time, he still finished as a high-end safety too uh, uh, during that time on fantasy, spro- fantasy pro scoring. So I'm, I'm completely out on that narrative as well. I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything to it. Um, if he plays a full season, like I said, there's no reason that he won't be in contention for uh, the overall DB one on the year. He just does everything. He's, he's a great tackler. He's a, he's a great blitzer, great in coverage. Um, he, he, like I said, he should be the overall DB in contention, at least for overall DB one this year or any year that he's going to be healthy. Um, but yeah, I, I'm curious what your, your thoughts are on Derwin James. So um, you you mentioned his versatility, whether or not his role changed from eighteen to nineteen. I yeah, I, I don't. That doesn't interest me. But what does interest me is what his role will be this year. Right? He's got a different coach. Mm-hmm. He does no longer have Gus Bradley coordinating that defense. They now brought in uh, Brandon Staley to come in and coordinate the defense. Mm-hmm. And so, as far as utilization, I, I saw some interesting um, write ups on Derwin James as I was doing that. Uh, Raiders article, and it talked about how Derwin James's role wasn't really one role, but it was an assembly of roles that was created for him that wasn't unlike what Cam Chancellor did in, in Seattle four or five years prior, based on his unique skill set, his ability, as you detailed, to play anywhere on the field. And so my question is, going into uh, a new scheme is will they decide to assemble a role for a guy who has barely played and he played a little bit in 2019, but who's not played much, didn't lost last year to injury, or will they try to say, let's see how you fit into the defense and play a, a role that's fairly well suited to you in in the safety position in the Rams that's similar to the Rams scheme and, and Staley's scheme. And so I look at what uh, Justin Simmons has done in a very similar scheme for a couple of years in Denver. He's been a very effective player, was an all-pro last year, and has been reasonably productive Friday. He even that's one last year, but, but he's not the same ceiling as Derwin James had when he was uh, playing under Gus Bradley. And so I agree that he's a bounce-back candidate. I don't know if he has overall S1 potential. I, I, I agree it's possible, but I, I'm not sure it's a high percentage play. And so that would be my only hedge on, on Derwin James. Yeah, that's fair. It's, it's like you said, it's a new defensive scheme, and um, you know the usage. Who knows what it what it'll be exactly? But for me, you have a player like that who's shown what he can do. He can be that kind of defensive weapon that every defense really wants. Um, a player that can play every role. Um, 
and 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 excel at every role and you get that in derwin james and i i think you you have to utilize them that way you don't you're not going to keep a player that can do so many different things that well and just keep them to one one role i think that would be a mistake on on brandon staley's part and i but we'll see i mean who knows he like you said he hasn't played in in a few in a year as well so there's there could be this feeling out time uh for him in the in the defense to see how he actually responds to being back on an nfl field um but i think by by season's end at least he'll he should be getting a little bit more work doing a bunch of different things but um yep i i see your point there for sure I'm excited to see what he can do this year. It'll be good to see him back on the field. Definitely. Yeah. I can't wait. I, (laughs) like I said, just get him to week one um, without injury. I'll I'll be happy. And then we can, we can go from there. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) All right. Another safety on the list is Ronnie Harrison from the Cleveland Browns, a guy that you put on here. Um, What are your thoughts on Ronnie Harrison? Well, it occurs to me that I sound like an idiot recommending Ronnie Harrison after you recommended Derwin James. But (laughs) 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 Ronnie Harrison, I actually think is I like as a player, which is kind of like some people say, I like sitting in traffic jams. But um, I'm excited (laughs) for what Ronnie Harrison can do. I thought he stepped into a really tough situation last year and, and made the most of it. He, he came over from Jacksonville in a very late trade for next to nothing. He steps into a safety room and with Cleveland defense. And a lot has been documented about how difficult it was for defensive coordinators to implement their schemes last year. How much more difficult was it for Ronnie Harrison to show up the week before the season starts and try to pick it up and, and get on the field. And it took a few weeks to get on there. But once he did, he easily displaced Carl Joseph from the strong safety role there. And he was productive. He made plays. He was effective in the box. Uh, and so now he comes back on to Cleveland uh, for another year. And uh, yes, they brought in John Johnson, but I think he probably pairs fairly well with John Johnson. Uh, and I think that Harrison's biggest weakness is that he's not effective in a, in a single high role. And I think that that's why uh, Jacksonville decided he was, uh, was no longer useful because they didn't they didn't really want to have the same split that they had before where they always had a box safety and always had a single high. They wanted to be a little bit more disguised in their coverages. And that somehow made Harrison expendable. I also thought he played like a lot of the Jaguars a bit lackluster uh, in, in, uh, in 2019. And he looked more intense. I like his intensity. I thought he really picked it up in Cleveland last year. And he was more active and uh, looked like he was playing a bit more distinctively as the season wound down. And I know that the the conventional wisdom is the Grand Delpit will start next to um, John Johnson. I, I, I understand why folks would think that. We're talking about a player who's effectively a rookie coming off an Achilles injury. So I, uh, I think that there is a certainly a need to get Delpit on the field, but is it in a full-time role at the expense of Harrison who showed what he could do in the scheme last year? I'm skeptical. I've also seen that Harrison is being identified as the guy that will step down to the box in three safety sets on Cleveland. Uh, so that's interesting, right? Because they will play enough too high that it could want his value. But if he's the guy that's the, 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 um, the big nickel, then in a three safety set, then that's pretty attractive too. Uh, so, and then you look at the linebacker crew, he's competing with for tackles in that space. And that's an unproven linebacking core. So I, I think that, um, and I think, I think John, you've pointed out in some of your stuff that, um, that, uh, the defensive coordinator there 
played a very high ratio of dime uh, with three safety sets uh, a couple of years ago when he was a defensive coordinator for the Broncos. Uh, he couldn't do that last year because he literally had Andrew Sandejo playing full time, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is kind of like saying that we got, you know, you're driving a Ford Pinto to work every day. It only goes so well. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm excited about Harrison. I think he could hold off Delpit, uh, maintain a full time role, uh, get those um, big nickel snaps in the box, and be a useful player for us at the cost of nothing on IDP dressing. <laughs> yeah, he was he was good last year. I mean, but I I like I do like Harrison as a, as a player. I think he only started five games last year, um, but he he. He graded out well for us, had like a 79.4 overall grade and uh, had good coverage grade 81.1 as well. And uh, so he was kind of like this pleasant surprise for the Browns. Like you said, they traded for him for nothing at the at the end of the offseason last year. And uh, he, he's, he came in and was and was effective. And yeah, I, I've kind of talked about the Browns DBs like three episodes in a row now. We When Tom was on, we talked about John Johnson. When, when Z-Mags was on, uh, we talked about Grant Delpit. And now we get to talk about Ronnie Harrison. So I'm kind of glad that you, you, you added him to the list here just to complete the trio. But um, yeah, it was Joe Woods who, who was trying to, he ran a lot more dime uh, when he was a defensive coordinator for the Broncos. And he did say that he wanted to do that uh, last off season and didn't get a chance to because of injuries and, and obviously having Andrew Sandejo and then trying to, he wants to do it again this year. So, you know, even if uh, like a Grant Delpit gets on the field there's like you said there's still that room for ronnie harrison to come down and, and play in the box and or play the big nickel role uh in that in that dime defense and uh and and have an impact and i do i i do like uh ronnie harrison as a player so i have no problem at all putting him uh on on my rosters and and hoping that he he wins out that starting job for sure we interrupt our program to bring you this important message Hey everyone, sorry to interrupt this podcast for a quick ad break from our friends at Manscaped. The sun is out, bums are out, and hopefully your pubes are not out. Also, flip-flop season is upon us and you're out here with those post-pandemic toenails? Don't worry, our friends at Manscaped have you covered. They just launched their fourth generation performance package and their Shears 2.0 nail grooming kit. Join the Manscaped movement by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with the code BIG3IDP. The Performance Package 4.0 includes the new Lawnmower 4.0. This trimmer will change the way you approach your grooming routine. Smooth balls. This fourth generation trimmer features advanced skin safe technology to reduce grooming. Sleek sack. You don't want any ingrown hairs or snags on your boys before beach season. The Lawnmower 4.0 has a 7,000 RPM motor and an on off travel lock, and it gives you the ability to turn the 4000K LED spotlight on and off. Shaved nuts. Super helpful to know that if the grid goes out in Texas again, you can use your Lawnmower 4.0 to eliminate the way with this LED spotlight. The trimmer is also waterproof, so you can trim in the shower and not worry about your cleanup on aisle D. Bald bucks. The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker to chop your worst weeds up top in your nose and ear. 
The Weed Whacker is also waterproof and uses a 9,000 RPM motor-powered 360-degree rotary dual-blade system. This nose and ear hair trimmer provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps prevent nicks, snags, and tugs in those sensitive little nostrils of yours. Use the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner to keep you on your game in the heat. Polished gonads. Manscaped even threw in two free gifts to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and the Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. The Shears 2.0 is a luxury four-piece nail kit featuring tempered stainless steel tools, and it includes slashed-tipped tweezers, rounded point scissors, fingernail clippers, and a medium-grit nail file. You're probably wearing flip-flops, and people don't want to see those nasty unclipped toes of yours so get 20 percent off plus free shipping even in canada and the and the uk with the code big three idp at manscape.com that's 20 percent off plus free shipping with the code big the number three idp at manscape.com hairless clackers tame that summer swamp in your pants with manscaped silky crotch nuggets all right back to the show awesome so another cleveland browns player uh this one was actually off of both of our lists um is jadevion Clowney. uh so defensive end for the browns uh, this, this is kind of a nice validation for me putting Clowney on here and, ha- and you having him on here as well because <laughs> even though i've never really been like this big Clowney believer i was starting to feel like he was getting a ton of hate and i think it was <laughs> it was getting a little bit too far with him right so um I, I get it. He's he was a former first overall pick. He's never had double digit sacks in a season. So what what he's bouncing back to is relative, I guess. But you know, this is a guy that had literally zero sacks last season, and now he gets to play opposite of uh, Miles Garrett and and some other good uh, defensive linemen as well, Malik Jackson, um, and you know Andrew Billings is all right, Jordan Elliott, but. Either way, it's better than what he was working with last year uh, in Tennessee. Uh, Harold Landry is not an elite pass rusher like Miles Garrett. Um, so playing opposite of Miles Garrett will help. He, his best years, Clownies, were playing opposite of J.J. Watt. So it does help him to have kind of this good pass rusher on the other side. And Garrett created the third most sacks among edge defenders last season. So that could give some Clownies some openings to look forward to as well. Um, and I, I think we talked about this with Tom when he was on the episode as well, but Clowney's kind of become known for being this great, like run stopping defensive end while his pass rushing ability has kind of been an afterthought at best. And, and because he doesn't put a lot of sack numbers up, um, he's just kind of known for this run defense. Um, but he's still a base, he's still a powerhouse of like an athletic freak that can disrupt any given play. I mean, since 2016, we have him with a 83.7 pass rush grade, which is 25th among all edge defenders over that time. So nothing to sneeze at there, really. Um, I I think it's just a matter of finishing with him. I know he has 26 and a half sacks uh, since uh, since 2016. So it's like 37th among edge defenders. And then pressure wise is, is not bad. He's got 20, 248 pressures, uh, which is 18th most among edge defenders. So I don't think it could get much worse for him than last season, obviously getting, uh, getting hurt after not putting up a single sack. So I think it'll, it'll pay off for the Browns. Um, and I think you'll have a nice year, but, uh, 
Yeah. What were your thoughts? Yeah. Well, I, I had to, I, I, I was going to not overlap your list at all, but then when I saw you had Clowney on there, I thought, damn it, I wanted him to be first. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm from South Carolina and I've been watching Jadavion Clowney since he was, you know, a, a freshman in college. And so, and I'm a Clemson alum, so I'm not a fanboy because <laughs> he went to USC. So uh, it, he is a, such an interesting guy in that you know, he looks awesome at times. And then he just vanishes for a while. Yeah. And it was an issue coming out of college. It was an issue that was sized up by draft analysts and it continues to plague him. But all things being, you know, all things being equal, the fact of the matter is there's a narrative out there now that he's not good at football. And it's like that, that's an overreaction. Yes, he was 101 and no, he's not going to ever live up to being the 101, but he continues to be a, a, a good, not great player. You mentioned the pass rush ability. People are hung up on this fact that he didn't ever have double digits of sacks. Well, he had eight and a half one year and nine another year. And he's, these aren't bad numbers, right? I mean, he's, he's making things happen and looking at pro football focused data. He is consistently in the top 20 when it comes to pressuring the quarterback in terms of number of pressures per season when he's been healthy, per game when he's not been healthy. And that continued to be true last year in Tennessee. He had like 28 pressures in five games or so. He was on pace to have the similar season that he had before with respect to pressures. He was playing on a crappy defense that couldn't get anything done. And so I think that had as much to do with it as anything. I thought he looked very effective at times in Seattle a couple of years ago. There were times when he'd come out and just dominate his stretches. And so to be in Cleveland, I, you know, he's, I think he's in a spot where he has a fairly simple role that he won't be asked to, to drop into coverage and do other things that'll probably get him off track. I think that he's a fantastic bounce back candidate. I see no reason why he can't get his first double digit sack this, this season, to be honest with you. I mean, I don't want to compare him to Devontae Adams, but there were people who would get upset with Devontae Adams as a high dynasty prospect because he never had a thousand yard season. He had two 900 yard seasons in a row. Well, he. <laughs> He, he kind of busted through that thousand yard season limit. So in a big way, uh, you know, was it maybe it's like it was last year or the year before, but the same thing could happen for Clowney. I'm not saying that it will, but uh, I think that this, this narrative that he's not good at football is just way off base. And there's another guy that's going to be cheap. Nobody's drafted me yet in our league yet, John. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm aware. I'm going to have to take him. <laughs> <laughs> I believe he's in my queue. I put a big queue out there. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I, I hope it pays off for him. I, I, cause I, obviously I'm a Browns fan, so it'll be nice to have him as the, as the other edge there uh, opposite miles Garrett and not have to rely on somebody like tack McKinley, who I, I don't think has been very good <laughs> in his NFL career. Uh, not nearly as good as Clowney, despite, uh, what, the, what people uh, have been saying about him. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I think, uh, I think it, I think it'll be a nice year for Clowney and, and hopefully get that narrative turned around a little bit. Yeah. McKinley's just there, I think, to play a specialist role as an extra yeah. pass rusher in certain situations where they want an edge in or something. So yeah, that's, that's not a thing. I've seen folks think that that's a thing. It's not. <laughs> so, yeah, no, no, God. <laughs> I really hope not. Anyways, like I, I, I am not a believer in Zach McKinley at all. So yeah, that's that's what he is. He's a specialist, and he's not going to be a full time player there. Um, so Clowney and Garrett works for me for this year. Let's uh, let's hope it turns into some production. 
All right. Uh, next on the list, I have uh, an edge defender here, another one. Um, and this is Josh Allen, uh, the edge defender from Jacksonville. So Josh Allen, for me, he wasn't great last year, um, but apparently he was playing with an injury. I don't know if this is true, but it, it makes sense. He was apparently playing with an injury before he actually missed time. Um, he was he was uh, before he went out for the year. He did miss time in between uh, games during that span as well early on in the year. So eventually he got shut down for the year. But I, I'm looking much more at like kind of Josh Allen's rookie year uh, as opposed to last season with that in consideration if he was playing playing hurt. Um, he was he was able to show why he was a top ten overall pick as a rookie. He had a twenty one point eight percent pass rush win win rate on true pass sets, put up ten and a half sacks, which was like fourteenth in the league, and he did that as a rookie, uh, and added forty nine pressures as well. So these are really good numbers, especially for a rookie. Um, all of those numbers are actually even better than what Chase Young did as a rookie, and and Chase Young's getting significant hype. But I'm not I'm not I'm definitely not saying that Allen is better than Chase Young. I know he's not. He doesn't fill the box score like Young does, and and things like that. But you know, I think we can let one injury riddled second year slump um, slide here for Allen after seeing kind of what he did in his rookie season. I think. For me, he's he's a prime bounce back candidate. I think I know not everybody's in love with him. I, you know, I'm gonna I, I do see him slip in drafts a little bit, um, but I'm gladly taking him as kind of my like DN two or three even, um, which has been where he's kind of going. And and I, but I'm I'm expecting bigger and better things than that uh, for for 2021. Yeah. My only concern with him is that he's playing in a defense that's thought to be a three, four. If we assume that uh, Joe Cullen brings to Jacksonville is, is he going right. to lose his position designation? It depends yeah. on your platform. It depends on who's setting the designations. But um, as far as everything uh, football wise, yeah, I think he's a good bounce back candidate. He's going to have lots of opportunities to blitz if Cullen's defense looks like the Bravens did last year. So yeah, he's a strong candidate to, to pile up sacks. Yeah. For sure. All right. We'll go with another edge defender then uh, off of your list here. It is Khalil Mack of the Chicago Bears. Another quick hitter, right? I mean, this guy that uh, like Jadavian <laughs> Clowney doesn't have double digit sacks every year, but yeah, I feel confident that he'll get back there this year. Uh, I like that they're bringing in Sean Desai. Uh, I think that uh, that defense was awesome under Vic Fangio and Desai brings back a similar scheme. I was deflated when Chuck Pagano was hired to be that defensive coordinator after following what he was doing in Indianapolis for a couple of years. And it's just, it's just, it, <laughs> You know, I, it just felt pedestrian at times and in, in the way it was being executed. And I, I'm just really excited to see a different level of aggressiveness brought it. I think that, you know, to the point about Derwin James being used to maximum efficient effectiveness in the scheme, I think that Khalil Mack will be able to be used a little bit uh, and differently in a way that would be more effective. I felt like that he was just, you know, just all right, Khalil, Khalil, you go out and do your thing and the rest of us do our thing at, at times. And that's. I'm sure an oversimplification of what Pagano was doing, but I'm excited to see um, what Desai's defense can do to confuse quarterbacks and, and buy more time for, for Mac to get to the quarterback. I, we, he's a good player. Just efficiency hasn't quite been there. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a really good player. I mean, it, it's funny, like, kind of the, the, like the narrative of, uh, you know, the difference between kind of like what, 
the NFL, NFL viewpoint of Khalil Mack and the IDP viewpoint of, of Khalil Mack, right? Because from IDP terms, we're kind of cooling on him a little bit. From But from an NFL perspective and from a PFF perspective specifically, he was our highest graded edge rusher uh, overall last season. And he did that uh, not only overall, but in his run defense, he was number one at, among edge defenders and as a pass rusher. So it's pretty ridiculous um, that the guy who's, you know, he's 30 years old now, but still truly playing at like an elite level um and and the other thing with him you know he had nine sacks last year but he also had three sacks called back because of penalty um so that was more than any other player in the league and and i think that very likely changes the narrative on him as well if uh, you know you end up counting one or two more of those um on the year so yeah i'm with you i think uh you know people are 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 cooling on khalil mack but the guy's still playing at a, at a top end level and especially for true position leagues I, he's i i have i see no reason to fade him i think he's still at the top of his game for sure all right another guy on the list this one's off of my list here and that is landon collins uh so safety for the washington football team he so this one he's another guy recovering from a torn achilles um that that's going to be the biggest obstacle for him i I would think for for collins if he gets back for the start of the season though which it sounds like he should be or at least very close he i think he's going to assume the position as the team's starting strong safety um you know after last year everybody was kind of clamoring for more cameron curl to be the starter and I, i can't really blame them because curl was this incredible idp once he took over for landon collins but the problem for me is that Collins fits that strong safety role much more than Curl does and, and and probably doesn't have the coverage versatility that Curl does either to be able to play deep or in the slot uh, as much. And 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 that's kind of where I see Curl fitting more with Landon Collins uh, back on the field is, is either in a deep role or in a slot role, which is exactly what he was doing before Collins got hurt. Um, but Collins to me has kind of been the epitome of a box safety uh, and if Washington, you know, they, they need any more reassurance that he should be used in that way. Uh, the one season where he did play primarily deep, which was his rookie year with the Giants, he finished with an awful like 37.9 coverage grade. Uh, <laughs> since then, he's been used much more in the box and it has improved his grade significantly. So not just an IDP things, but it, it makes sense from an NFL perspective too. And, 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 you know, Collins, sure, he wasn't as good last year uh, as he's been in previous years as an IDP, but the guy was so good as an IDP that when he's on the field, that it's going to be tough to kind of live up to that every single year. I think he's finished as a top 10 defensive back looking at fantasy pro scoring in every single season that he's played uh, outside of 2018, because he got some, he saw some injury that year, but even, even in that year, before he got hurt so weeks one to 13 he was db6 uh, on the fantasy pro scoring so consistently a top 10 uh, player at that position yes he had a, a was having a down year in comparison to his years prior but i mean if he's healthy he gets back on the field i think he's he's an obvious lock for the for the starting strong safety role in the box um in uh, in ron Rivera's defense and um but yeah any thoughts on on landon collins well, I'm afraid I'm team cam curl. <laughs> are you? Okay, that's fine. A lot of people are. I mean, people love it. Like he was so good last year, right? <laughs> I mean, he just played more effectively, quite honestly. Yeah. And I certainly agree from a profile standpoint, he's more of a, you know, of a, of a slot 
um, than he is a box safety. But I, when I look at the three things safeties are asked to do, deep slot box, the least valuable of that to a coach is the box rule. You can you yeah. can find somebody to do that. And so there was talk about whether or not Landon Collins was switching the linebacker early in the offseason. And, and uh, he, you know, Landon Collins, like, I'm not doing that. And I think Ron Vera says something like, well, that ain't his call. So you know, to <laughs> me, I think there's a risk that he's just a specialist that comes on as a as a extra as an extra box defender and sub packages and, and let's curl and, and Bobby McCain start at safety. And that I, I think this could be the end for him in, ter- in terms of IDP relevancy. They can't cut him because he makes too much money. Uh, he, they're upside down. They're totally underwater. So he's not a cut candidate. I think he could go the way Rashad Jones did a couple of years ago. Hmm. That's interesting. Yeah. And that, that's, that's kind of the thing too, right? He's, his contract is so expensive that he's, he's locked in to be on the team this year. And that's, that's kind of why I see, you know, no reason to, to kind of fade him is that it's to bench him or just use him as a specialist role is a massive waste of, of, of cap and, and, and resources. But yeah, I mean, they got Cameron Curl, who, like you said, was super effective last year. He was better. Um, so, it, you know, I would be surprised if if Collins wasn't used in in the way that he was the years prior. But I mean, I get it. I, I you know, if that's the way they're going to go um, or you think they're going to go, then then <laughs> so be it. I, Collins, that that would be pretty much the end of him. I don't know if anybody is going to pick him up if we, if we see kind of a decline in his play like it was last year. That's that's the scary part. But. Yeah, for me, I think this. I think this year he'll be. I think he'll be get one more good year out of Landon Collins uh, in Washington before he is more of a cut candidate the year after that. But um, yeah, if it comes a year early, it, it comes a year early. But uh, yeah, for me, for me, I'm 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 banking on him bouncing back. All right, let's go with uh, another guy on your list here, another safety, and that is Harrison Smith of the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, this is another quick hitter, right? I got, I got a better player this time. So. <laughs> but um, yeah, he, he, the whole defense suffered, right? The defense will be better this year because it was really bad last year, shockingly. So this is a guy that's used all over the field. He's used to attack the defensive, uh, the offensive backfield. He's the defensive weapon that you mentioned, like Derwin James in some ways. Not quite as the same type of season that German James had, that would be virtually impossible to replicate, but he's the guy that's moving around the field. He's the guy they're using to disrupt the offense. And his numbers were only slightly off last year. And it's, um, it really suffered because safety scoring is fairly flat in general. So um, I, I like uh, his, his potential to bounce back and contribute more uh, with um, hopefully a second viable defensive end on the field or two viable defensive ends, right? Daniel Hunter will be back and we'll see what they can field on the opposite side. But um, I think that he'll have a little more health than he had last year. <clears throat> yeah. I, I mean, Harrison Smith, he's been such a good player for so long. Um, he, again, he's another reliable, reliable guy. You could count on between play playing like between 900 to a thousand snaps, probably every single season uh, lines up all over the field. And yeah, he's around the ball a lot too. Puts up good interception numbers, good pass breakup numbers. Um, yeah. He's getting older again. People start to fade for that reason. Um, it happens. I, I think you might be the opposite. I, I'm starting to think you have a soft spot for some of these old guys, <laughs> like, uh, like Harrison Smith and Cameron Jordan and Khalil Mack. I think there's some more on the list too. But um, but it's it, I mean that's the thing, right? You get them cheap. Um, Malcolm Jenkins, like you said, um, 
you, you know, when people, when other people are fading them and you know that they're reliable and, and effective IDP, you go in there and scoop them up and then they do the job for you. So I, yeah, I like it. Um, Harrison Smith there. Well, uh, Jenkins, I'm mean, not Jenkins, but Smith, I mean, he had low numbers where he, where his numbers were down last year was in the tackles for loss and sacks. And that's because who else is in the backfield with him? Nobody. Yeah. Jalen Holmes. <laughs> I mean, come on. You know? <laughs> but as far as old guys go, you know, I, I feel like that I'm at the same place and the whole fantasy football world has like gone to this, this <laughs> you know, hyperactive response to age. I mean, I'm old enough to remember we used to talk about 29 year old running backs and that being the cliff. And I was like, no, 25, they're old, you know, they're washed. They can't play anymore. 27 year old receiver is the apex age, right? And so we shouldn't get Nuke and Adams and all these guys. And we should, we, you know, I mean, so you play dynasty fantasy football. You, if you want to trade Devonta Adams for CD Lamb, it's one for one. So really? <laughs> it's amazing. To me. And so, yeah, I guess I'm a sweet, I'm a softie for the old guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just the way it is. Everybody wants somebody younger. They want to get rid of us old folks, and that's fine. But <laughs> it's, yeah, all, it's not a bad thing to go in. Nothing wrong with that at all. Um, all right. So another another safety here. This is another guy off my list. Um, I went with Tracy Walker uh, for the Detroit Lions. So Walker was a guy that was getting a ton of love coming into last season um, because he was such a good IDP in 2019. I think he finished as DB 10 uh, in fantasy pro scoring, but I guess what people didn't foresee was kind of this tinkering of, of old pencil boy, Matt Patricia screwing with his playing time. Basically um, Walker's usage last year became so inconsistent that he was essentially unusable last year. Uh, once and once everyone caught on to um, you know, that inconsistent usage, they were just not, they were just not starting them because they couldn't trust it uh, week to week. So now again, I, I have no idea what kind of defensive scheme Dan Campbell is going to deploy uh, in his first year, but I can almost guarantee that it's going to be heavily focused on single high coverages and, and stopping the run. Just, just the feeling that I have by the type of person Dan Campbell is by the players that he's drafted. Um, we'll see. I mean, we'll see how he changes or if he changes that at all, but I, I think it's good news for Walker either way. Um, I, you know, he's either going to be playing in the box a little bit more like he did when he was on the field last season or it's going to be the other way around when he was used um, and, and be used mostly deep, which is what he did in 2019 when he had that big fantasy year uh, and led his team with a hundred total tackles. So we've, we've kind of seen Walker produce from all over the field uh, already in his career, albeit last year was a little bit inconsistent. Um, but with, I think with some more consistency in his playing time in Detroit and, and, uh, he'll, he'll be a lot more trustworthy, at least in 2021 and uh, potentially back in that high end, maybe safety two range um, that, that people were hoping for last year. Yeah, I, I like him as a bounce back candidate. I've, uh, I've, I've started to tell people that Matt Patricia was to defense that Adam Gase was to offense. So <laughs> <laughs> all Lions deserve a mulligan. So you're right to put all as many on you as your bounce back list as you can. <laughs> <laughs> and I agree too with the idea that a high, a high, a high end DB two list. If I'm looking for, um, you know, a precedent for them, I'm looking at what the Saints did on defense. They brought in Aaron Glenn to coordinate their defense, and um, and the guy that looks to me like a, a fairly similar player with a similar role that Walker could assume would be C.J. Gardner Johnson, who played a lot of slot 
that played some too high, um, played a little bit of box. Yeah. And so that to me looks like a, a nice comp. And so that level of production, I do think that it stands to reason he'll be full-time or as Gardner Johnson was more of a 85, 89% type. Sure. I like that. I think that makes a lot of sense. As far as the actual defense goes, um, what I've been seeing is that they're going to uh, play a little more too high this year. And I look mm-hmm. at what the Saints did last year. They had you know, a good variety of three down and four down fronts. And I think that they're going to rely a little bit more on, from what I've read, is that they're looking to rely a little bit more on the three down fronts that they showed with um, where they typically had Sheldon Rankins or David Onyemata in the middle and go from there. And so the threat has been that they will have you know, Quokwara and Flowers be outside linebackers effectively. And we can talk about what that means in a minute. But uh, as, a, as, a, as a parallel, then they're going to show a little bit more too high in the safety end. And so I think that reduces Walker's opportunities to play in the box. But I don't know that he was ever the he's not Landon Collins. You know, <laughs> so right. I think that maybe that C.J. Gardner Johnson role is a good role for him. And I think he could be effective in that role. So I think I think we're pretty much on the same page with where Walker ends up. <clears throat> Yeah, that's interesting. I, I hadn't seen anything like that about what kind of scheme uh, Campbell is running. I, I, th- I heard maybe they're going to do more of a three, four uh, on the, on the defensive line. So, or in uh, the front seven. So yeah, that, that would make sense then if they're going to do um, some too high coverages, but um, yeah, I, I'm totally basing the the single high thing on, on just a, a feel that I have for Dan Campbell, but um, it's good to know that there's some, some information out there that, uh, that says otherwise, because it, I mean, that's the, the, I think that's the way the NFL is going a little bit more too, is a little bit more uh, split safety coverages um, to, protect against the pass more than anything um, because obviously it's a passing league. So um, yeah, that's good. I'm glad that uh, we may get a more progressive uh, coach there in, in Detroit and uh, we'll, we'll see uh, again, Matt Patricia's out of the, the out of Detroit and that that's why I did put another Detroit lions player on here last year. I definitely wouldn't have done this, but so I, even still, I'm still a little bit skeptical about it, but I put Trey flowers, uh, Ed rusher, uh, as a bounce back candidate as well. Uh, for me, he's just been one of the more consistent edge defenders, uh, from a grading perspective since 2019, his lows really are like, it was like a 76.6 overall high being an 89.6 overall. He's always finished kind of somewhere in that range. And he's pretty much always in the, in the seventies from a, pra- a pass rush perspective as well. Um, but he was another guy that we lost to injury last year at about the halfway point in the season. He, he was pretty, pretty quiet actually, even before, um, getting hurt he had just had the two sacks in seven games um but for me i think flowers is kind of the guy that might see the most snaps along the defensive line even more than than romeo aquara from last year just because not because just because of his talent but he, he has a little bit of versatility as well he can kind of play from any alignment really and he's not just an edge rusher but Again, we don't know exactly what Dan Campbell wants to do with them, but it, you know, there's obviously some stuff out there. But uh, for me, he's he's been effective from any kind of alignment throughout his NFL career. So I think he gets out there and can get back to work, hopefully in a, in a better scheme for him. And uh, if he's here, I, I'm pretty comfortable with him as my DN three. Uh, but even if he's my DN two, I'd still feel comfortable comfortable there for the season with with Trey Flowers. I I have some faith in him uh, kind of bouncing back because he is a talented player, and like I said, he he can be effective from any point along the defensive line. Mm-hmm. 
I think what worries me about Flowers a little bit is they're describing him as an outside linebacker and that he will play in space. Uh, what are we doing there? I keep him on the line, you know, have him kick into five technique if you need to. Uh, you know, it's interesting to read. Uh, that said, a lot of people probably don't know the Cam Jordan that steps back in some Jack, Jack linebacker alignments from time to time in New Orleans too, when they play the three down look and you, know, you can't, that's hard to picture, right? You think of this as big, uh, hand in the dirt, uh, uh, edge rusher. So mm-hmm. I'll have to see what that looks like. But overall, I agree with you. I, you know, I, I don't, I don't, I don't have a sense as to who will play more snaps between Okwara and Flowers. But I think it's Flowers has been a steady good player for a long time, and there's no reason to think that he can't be productive in, in a new defense that will obviously have to be better because it was so bad last year. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Again, the issue there is, you know, what does he get us uh, if you're in a conventional position league? What's his tag? Right? Yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's. That's the concern. If you're saying there's some news out there that, that that's going to be more of a three, four front, then that there's a worry that obviously that his positional designation on an MFL could change from DE to, to linebacker. So that's always scary. I hate that. But like you said, playing at your position league, if you're on MFL, there's an easy fix for it. Now go hit up uh, Adam, Adam Sikis on uh, Twitter and, and get that fixed for your, your league and you won't have to ever worry about it. It's beautiful. Sure. Well, that's one thing I was going to ask you what what you made of the the comment because the comment that Dan Campbell made to the press was that they're looking to employ more quote three down three three four principles and it's just an interesting comment it's like it's I feel like that when when coaches say to the press that they're whether or not they're debating between a three four or four three defense they're not really talking about you know having a large number of snaps and a, and yeah. a three down look and it's like I, I, I I'm starting to interpret it more as they just intend to do a little bit more two gapping and a little bit more read and react in the middle of the defense and uh, and it really doesn't have as much to do with how many players are on the field of what role and what alignment i just i wonder if you have any any thoughts on that <clears throat> yeah that's the thing like tom kissingberry has done like a lot of work on this about showing like what defenses look snap to snap and it's basically it's always different right there you know whether it's a team saying that they're they're in a base defense um but base defense means something different for every single team uh, most base defenses are nickel these days um three four fronts change as well like what what is a three, four front and, and what makes a team, um, you know, that makes that their primary kind of, uh, scheme that they run, right. And how, how often do they have to run that for us to kind of consider an outside linebacker to be, uh, designated as a linebacker on, on our positional sites. And oftentimes they're, they're running both. They're running four, three, they're running three, four, it just depends on what, what, uh, how they're matching up against the offense and, and, you know, the, the flow of the game and stuff like that. So yeah, I'm not, I'm not crazy about it. I mean, I think, you know, teams are going to push for, they're going to be trying to do as much different stuff as they can. You, you're not going to see a lot of these teams that lock into just one simple defense or one simple look, uh, and stick with that. Even, you know, like I mentioned, uh, a couple episodes ago, again, with Tom, like, Pete Carroll, who's like one of the more old school coaches in in the league, was running a ton of base defense for the longest time with three linebackers out on the field, and he was getting killed. The teams know what you're what you're going to run on on defense, and they're going to take advantage of that. So you have to be able to switch it up consistently throughout a game, even not just week to week. Um, 
so yeah, I, I'm probably rambling. I, I'll, I'll stop now. But <laughs> that was an interesting year, right? I would think that was 2019 when uh, Michael Kendricks played like 80 percent of the snaps, and yeah, he's out there in the slot, and he's got guys that weigh 50 pounds less than him, and he's trying to stick with them. I'm like, what? What is happening out here? And you got to imagine it has everything to do with just saying we need to get our best 11 on the field, and he had zero confidence in players. I mean, Marquise yeah. Blair was there, and he just decided Marquise Blair wasn't ready to play in 2019. I guess so. It's, it was a fascinating thing to watch for sure as a head scratcher too <clears throat> yeah yeah 100 percent um okay we will go on to one of your guys here and that is mr chris jones defensive tackle of the kansas city chiefs yeah another quick hitter folks forget that three years ago he had 15 and a half snacks 15 and a half sacks and last two years he's not hit double digits and that's the magic number and so he doesn't get there and so he's being faded a little bit i think that people see a big gap between deforest buckner and chris jones i do not to me they i think that jones is as good as buckner and there's talk about him playing outside a little bit more this year because of the abject lack of a quality defensive end and that's interesting to me uh aaron donald is playing some defensive end in la and he's able to get some sacks for that alignment. So I'm intrigued by what that means because one one reason I think that Chris Jones' numbers are down a bit is because of Steve Spagnuolo's propensity to want to crush the pocket and not have guys shoot gaps. And so if he's outside, does he have more opportunity to run run free at the quarterback? And so I'm excited that he has some upside. And so it's a quick hitter for me. Yeah, that same same here. I appreciate you putting all these kind of PFF favorites on the list as well. It makes it super easy for me. Uh, yeah, Jones Jones has been basically our highest graded interior defender, not named Aaron Donald uh, as a pass rusher the last two seasons in a row. Um, I think he was even third the year before that behind Donald and, and Fletcher Cox. Um, he was the second highest graded overall defensive interior player last year, also behind Aaron Donald. But yeah, seven and a half sacks is not bad uh, numbers to put up as a defensive tackle. And he, he put up 60 pressures as well. So, uh, you know, he finished well outside the top five defensive tackles in IDP last year, which is kind of where he's getting drafted, right? He's getting either drafted as the second guy or the third guy. It's either him or Buckner behind Donald. Um and maybe the the thing with him has been the missed tackles. I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, played a part, if people have noticed that or, at all. He doesn't have as many tackles as like a DeForest Buckner, maybe. So he's leaving a little bit of meat on the bone there still with missed tackles. I, you know, I have pulled up his missed tackle rate uh, since 2017, and they're pretty bad. Um, so it was 15.6% in 2017, 22.6% in 2018, 18.4% in 2019. And then his worst year was this past year, 26.4% missed tackle rate. So brutal numbers and, and probably why his tackling grades are so atrocious, obviously, but, um, (laughs) yeah, if he can clean that up, we know how important, like, defensive tackle solos and, and assists are in those defensive tackle required and DT premium leagues. So that, that would make a massive difference for, for Jones. Cause we know he can rush the passer. And like you said, if he's doing it off the edge too, it makes it maybe a little bit easier for him. We'll see. Um, but yeah, Chris Jones, still one of the, the best options you could get at the, uh, the defensive interior for sure. All right. Uh, Another guy on the list here, the last one before we start to get it, get into some of the, the deeper names. Um, and this is one off my list, and that is Matt Milano of the uh, Buffalo Bills. So 
rough, rough 2020 season, much like everybody on this list, really, um, which is what makes them a bounce back candidate in the first place, I guess. But uh, it was his worst year from a grading perspective. He had like a 55.8 and it was his worst year really as an IDP since he became a starter for the Bills. Uh, injuries really killed him, obviously, but he just wasn't good even when he was on the field. Um, I, for me, I like to look at that 2019 season where Milano played just under 100 snaps less than Tremaine Edmonds, but he was just as effective, really. So uh, he put up 93 tackles. Edmonds put up 109, but they both had 11 tackles for loss each. They both had one and a half sacks each. They both had four pass breakups each. But Milano was he actually put up 14 pressures and, and Edmonds put up eight. So that, that was the difference there. But that doesn't matter for IDP. Um Last year played just 335 snaps because of the of the the injuries and put up 45 tackles and three and a half sacks. Um, but when he is healthy, he doesn't really come off the field all that much. And for me, that's enough to to make him IDP relevant uh, week to week. I know they they signed Tyrell Adams and, and AJ Klein is still on the team, but not, neither of those guys really are, are going to keep Milano off the field for me. As bad as he was last year, I think that's what kind of makes him a bounce back candidate. I was I was recently watching the the playoff game, the Bills and the the Ravens and. Milano was just he he was terrible especially in the first quarter um he was tough to watch. He, he couldn't flow to his gaps. He couldn't make the right read on run plays. I, the Ravens were running a lot of like gap scheme runs with pulling guards. And Milano was just, I don't know if he just wasn't watching the tape or he, he wasn't prepared for the game, but he was clearly thrown off by this. He's over pursuing. He's out of position. Um, run defense was a real struggle for him in that game. So I, I hope with the, you know, he's, he's able to kind of get it together this off season and, and be a part of that bill's, Bill's defense again as a, as a starter because he, he is a decent IDP and another one of those guys that, um, like you mentioned, is a good value usually in, in uh, IDP drafts and stuff. For sure. Yeah, this is, a, this is somewhat injury-related about that call too. He's lost time, didn't look effective when he was out there. And the whole Bill's defense was significantly worse last year somehow. I can't put my finger on why exactly. The one that this, uh, the absence that stands out was Star Latulale, the nose tackle. Mm. And I think that conventional wisdom in Buffalo included was that ah, he's old and he doesn't play that much. But it really seemed to me to make it a, a difference into how the Bills were able to control the line of scrimmage. And they rolled out a bunch of these guys that were all undersized to play nose tackle. They tried Quentin Jefferson out there. Uh, yes. This just isn't working. It's just both linebackers looked a lot worse. And I think it had in part to do with the defensive line's inability to keep them clean. And so I think that you know, bringing Lotulale back really helped them at his age. I don't know. I, just, I worry a little bit about that whole defense. I just They've been static now in what they've been doing for a couple of years. And I don't know. But um, as far as an IDP standpoint, I think it stands to reason. I'll be out there playing most of the snaps and, and – yeah, as long as he's healthy, then yeah, he'll continue to to collect tackles, and he is. It seems to be the guy that's a little bit more likely to be on the edge and, and get his hands on the ball too. And when it comes to trying to be disruptive in the defensive backfield, than, than Edmonds from time to time. So that's that's moderately interested to me, but uh, only you know my, a slight difference. But yeah, I think he's a good bounce back candidate. <clears throat> cool, cool, awesome. Yeah, I like that point that you made about um, yeah their defense being pretty um, stagnant, like. 
over the years it's it, it has been very similar right and mm-hmm. um yeah there's there's not like a lot of stars on their defense uh, no star lutalele not at, <laughs> no pun intended there but uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, they're, they're, you know, they've just kind of gotten by and, and you see it, you know, you start to see the holes in, in, in their defense with guys like Milano kind of struggling. Um, Ed Oliver really hasn't panned out to be this, you know, first round pick that he, that he was, uh, when they drafted him and, uh, even Tremaine Edmonds, you know, he's been, he's been okay, but he's not an elite, uh, linebacker by any means at, at any level of, of what he's playing. So there, yeah, there's guys, they got some coverage guys there and, you know, Jordan Poyer's been been an effective IDP, but um, yeah, it's a good point. I, I, I'm interested to kind of look at that that defense again this offseason before the year starts, like you because you pointed that out um, to see why exactly they are um, struggling. And, and I like the idea that it you know it could be something to do with uh, who they're ha- who they're running on their defensive line. We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Hey guys, one more quick stoppage in play before we wrap up this podcast. What you most of you have probably heard of Reality Sports Online, the powerful fantasy sports platform where owners get to build and manage their fantasy team like an NFL general manager. But the question is, have you tried it? It's time to go and see what all the buzz in the dynasty community is about, and the big three IDP are making it happen for listeners. So what are you waiting for? With RSO, you have free agency, multi-year contracts, a rookie draft multi-team trades franchise tags contract extensions first round rookie options automatic contract and salary cap functionality and much much more think it sounds complicated it's not the best thing about reality sports online fantasy front office is that it doesn't take any more time than a standard league it just requires more strategy so if you think you're among the fantasy elite well this is the platform to test your metal to start a league of your own use the promo code big three idp to get 10% off the site fee. Again, that's promo code BIG3IDP to get 10% off the site fee for your own league. So B-I-G, the number three, IDP is the code. Fantasy just got real with Reality Sports Online. All right, now back to the show. All right, cool. So we'll, you put together a pretty good list here of uh, like kind of bonus names uh, to, to go over. So we have like um, some of the deeper guys to look at as well as like uh, like the rapid fire guys. We, we've gone through a couple rapid fire players already, but um, we have a few more tacked on. But I'll let you uh, kick off your list here with uh, your first uh, deep bounce back candidate cool i got um i got kenny clark on here and uh, you know after, as i participated in a couple of drafts this week i think folks are still valuing him as a dt1 which is pretty surprising considering he only had two sacks last year but he had six sacks and two see each of the two seasons prior and uh I, he was not entirely healthy uh i think a common friend of ours kyle bellfield wrote an article about him not too long ago and he big packers fan kyle is and he talked about um uh, Clark being limited. I'm interested to see how the scheme helps them. They're talking about um, using more ISOs for the and using five man rushes and third down sets and a third down. I mean, you know, I'm I'm curious. Uh, there's been some commentary that he'll move around more. Well, I looked at his alignments on BFF and look, he was moving around a fair amount last year too. So I don't I don't know what to make of that exactly, but um, I, I think it stands to reason that um, he's an effective enough defensive lineman that he can get back to that six sack level that he had been. So he minor bounce back candidate for me on that one. So uh, the next guy, a couple of guys I have are again two guys that are just not on anybody's radar. Robert Spillane, the inside linebacker for the 
Pittsburgh Steelers. It's a guy that's 24 years old or maybe just about turned 25. He was uh, productive. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad for Pittsburgh in relief of Devin Bush. And uh, I think the the thought is that, well, Vince Williams is re-signed, so he'll retain the starting role. That's not what I'm seeing in the, in the covers that I've been paying attention to. I'm seeing this Blaine will be the starter. And so is there are there going to be two linebacker roles that will you know, that will approach full time. I kind of doubt it, but I think that at the cost, I think he's worth a gamble. If you're in a league that's drafting guys like Danny Trevathan, then pick up Spillane for nothing and see what happens with him. He has some upside. I mean, guys like, you know, Joe Schobert came out of nowhere. He wasn't a starter at all until middle August when some guy named Tank Carter got hurt. And all of a sudden, Schobert just bursts on the scene when with not much draft capital and not much history to show for it. So crazier things have happened. Explains where the man in deeper league. And then the last guy I got there is, um, uh, I just lost track. Uh, Ryan Kerrigan, uh, older guy. So yes, I'm showing my gray hair again, <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but he goes to uh, Philadelphia and I saw one, one, uh, one rider compare it to Chris Long's situation from about five years ago when he jumped onto a, a, a good rotation, seemed to be re-energized. And I think it's reasonable to think that Kerrigan can play the majority of snaps because he's out there competing with guys like Brandon Graham, who's older than him, or at least as old at 33. And then guys like Josh Sweat and Derek Barnett, who seem to show flashes, but cannot seem to get over the hump. And so I think Ryan Kerrigan could be, you know, a regular out there. And if again, deep league, you needed, uh, you know, a third or fourth defensive end. I think he's the guy to take a look at. <laughs> nice. Yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a good list. I, I mean, Kenny Clark, I'm with you completely there. He was, again, I don't think he was healthy the first part of the year. He missed some time, um, but got a lot better in the latter half of the season. Spillane, I've been hearing the same thing. I think it sounds like he's the favorite to start next to Devin Bush. So I like him as kind of like a sleeper uh, potentially for for the Steelers. And yeah, Ryan Kerrigan, you, you really do like these older guys and that's okay. <laughs> but, um, he was yeah. Ryan Kerrigan was like a monster um, during his time in, in uh, in Washington from like all the way up until like 2018, basically he was putting up double digit sacks um, almost every single year uh, on that team. So yeah, going to a rotation with Brandon Graham is getting a little bit older. Derek Barnett hasn't been super effective uh, and Josh sweat, who's a decent pass rusher, but I think, you know, he's got to show a little bit more that he can be something other than a pass rush specialist. So there's room for Kerrigan to kind of get into the rotation there uh, as well. So nice call. I like it. Um, all right. So we'll go into the, the rapid fire guys here. Um, this first one's a good one. I got a lot, <laughs> I got a lot to say about the first one, but I'll, I'll let you go through. I'll let you go through your list. Here. <laughs> all right. oh, Nick Bosa, man, super simple. He got hurt. I think it was week one and yeah. lost the season. I will have a full 12 months to recover from the ACL injury. And yes, there's a slight chance that he'll have compensatory injuries, but good player and a defense that used him effectively. He had nine sacks as a rookie and seemed to have upside for a lot more based on efficiency. And uh, yeah, it's just, I don't think that anybody's sleeping on him, but it just had to be mentioned as bounce back candidate. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that I I think there there's kind of like a little bit of of um maybe recency bias with with forgetting like how good Nick Bosa was as a rookie. Um and for me like I yeah, if anybody's sleeping on him I I just don't get it. I know um 
I know IDP Bob mentioned that he he kind of wants to see more from him and and he was attributing some of his success to like DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead and I love Bob this this isn't calling him out or anything but I I do think that he he's he was one of the people that was that doubted Bosa and for me like Armstead was just trash before Bosa came to the team and and he was trash again when Bosa missed last year. Um Buckner was a good pass rusher in 2019, but Bosa was on another level really. He he recorded 80 pressures as a rookie. That's a PFF record for us. Uh and he continued that continued that into the playoffs again as a rookie helping the 49ers get to a Super Bowl. He put up 22 pressures in 3 games to go along with 4 sacks in those 3 playoff games. Um I, I really don't think he's, uh, you know, like this one hit wonder. Uh, there's a reason he was taken second overall in 2019. He made the case for himself uh, in college that he was different on 579 pass rush snaps for Ohio state. He put up 117 total pressures, 18 sacks had a 25.9% win rate, 20.2% pressure rate for a 93.6 pass rush grade. Um, so for reference, that is insane. That's, <laughs> that's about as good as it gets from, from a edge rusher coming to the NFL. And, and I know he's got to stay healthy and, but for me, I, I think we've yet to see Bosa's prime in the NFL. He's, he's my DE one for dynasty. And I think if he played all of last year, that would have been the case for a lot more people. Um, rookie defensive linemen just rarely hit the ground running like he did in the NFL. And even Chase Young, who did hit the ground running, didn't put up those kinds of numbers or anything really even close to it as a rookie. And he's a lot of people's dynasty DE1. So for me, Nick Bosa is is going to be in for a huge year. If, he, if we see him on the, on the field all season, I know he's dealt with injuries, but um, he, he's clearly one of the, the best defensive ends uh, in the NFL already. And mm-hmm. after just seeing him for one season, so, yeah. sorry. No, you're good. I didn't realize that there was a take out there that, um, that he wasn't the reason that they were good in 2019. That's, that's interesting to me. So. <laughs> yeah. I don't think, yeah, I don't think, I don't know if Bob was saying that he wasn't like that was that he was the reason that they were or not the reason that they were good, but it, there was something I think like attributing the, some of the success to the guys like DeForest Buckner and Eric Armstead, but it's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's not the case. Bosa was, elite um by himself uh and would have been on any defensive line as far as i'm concerned agreed mm-hmm. all right the rest of my rapid fire guys i got daniel hunter same thing as both or for similar anyway the neck is weird yeah. i don't know what to do with the neck injury that scares you a little bit but um still we know he's a premium player he's out there we know he collects a high number of tackles when he's out there in addition to his sacks so that's um had to mention it yeah yeah, yeah, hundred and uh, hundred and thirty six tackles or something in twenty eighteen and twenty nineteen combined. It was more than any other edge defender in the league. So he's he's putting mm-hmm. up huge sack numbers and tackle numbers. Crazy. Yeah, now I got Eric Kendricks on here, a guy that was hurt and missed the end of the year. And I, there was a narrative a couple of years ago on Eric Kendricks that his ceiling as an IDP was LB two. And the arguments were that he's not that good and that he he plays on a defense that's so easy that gets off the field so easily. Well. The gets off the field so easily. Narrative was completely blown apart last year, but the fact of that is also actually very good. <laughs> and he gets his hands on the ball for basket breakups, and he's he's yeah. all over the place. And they're not using the defensive tackles to tackle the ball carriers in the same way they were. They're doing using them to control the line of scrimmage a little bit more, which is freeing him up to make some more tackles. And he is, I believe, on a points per game basis, a solid LB one now for two years running. And I don't think people value him that way. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. I think you're right. He's, he, he really is like he, he, he's another guy that's maybe missed some time over the, the past few years, but when he's on the field, he doesn't leave the field and he's, he, I think he's one of the best linebackers in the league. Um, so I'm with you there for sure. And the next one I got is Darius Leonard and I put him on there because he missed time. And also because um, he has from a career points per game average, still more than Devin White's best season. So there is a Devin yeah. White and Rokon <laughs> Smith contingent out there. Okay. Until unless there's something structural in that defense that folks can point to that is, is going to knock down his tackle numbers significantly or change his usage in a way that's going to cap what he's been doing. I'm going to continue to be on Darius Leonard. Yep. I'm with you. Darius Leonard's my LB one as well right now. And the last guy I got on the list is John Brown. Just another guy that missed time. He was effective. He was a strong LB two. Uh, I think he's a pretty good player. I was kind of surprised there wasn't more interest in his services. He's making a low salary, but I think he's a, uh, pretty decent uh, coverage linebacker for the Titans. And there's certainly no reason why he won't come on and, and be a, a full-time player again and collect more tackles in Tennessee. Awesome. Yeah. I'm with you with Brown too. I think he has LB one potential um, miss some time, but if he's on the field, he's going to, he, he can blitz, he, he can tackle, he does, he does everything well. And, and yeah, I really like him too as a, a nice player on, and I'll put him on any IDP lineup and, and just leave him in the lineup every single week. So. Nice list. Awesome. A monster list of players. So <laughs> that we went through, we, we covered it in about an hour and an hour and a half hour and 40. Awesome job. I, I really, really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, bringing all these players names forward so that we can discuss them this week. Um, was definitely a fun exercise. And I, I look to, I look forward to seeing all these players have monster years in 2021. That's all I know. I think, I, I don't think we're missing on any of them. <laughs> I know we disagreed on some, but we'll, we'll find a way to make it work for both of us that's right so, that's right yeah. we'll, have um, we'll have two s1s we'll be good yeah exactly <laughs> there we go. that's perfect <laughs> be like jesse bates and von bell in uh, in cincinnati or something like that with Brandon collins and cameron Curl. that's right that's right well what a, what a fun is a as a listener having if people aren't disagreeing once in a while on the podcast so. exactly yeah absolutely and then I, I i appreciate you coming on and, and giving me a different perspective because it, it's important I, I i say this a few times already when when uh people have been on, but I think it's important to have different perspectives, different ideas of of what we're seeing on the field, what we're seeing with defensive schemes, things like that, because nobody knows exactly what the answer to everything. So to be able to learn from different people and, um, and, and, and adjust because of what you're learning from them is is important. So I, I, I take what you say, um, very, very hard, very wholeheartedly. And, and I'm going to learn from that and I'm going to look into things and I'll probably adjust some stuff as well. So, um, again, really appreciate you coming on and taking the time and, uh, and, and going over this list with me. It's been a blast. Um, before you go, be, please, uh, tell all the good folks listening where they could find, uh, you and your work. And, and if there's anything else you'd like to promote that you've done or are currently working on this year, uh, please feel free to share. Well, I appreciate it. First of all, I really do appreciate you having me on. It's been, it's been a lot of fun talking football with you. And, uh, I think I told you before when you and I were on the big three IDP one time, there's, there, there are several analysts when I see they post something on Twitter or write an article and I say, Hmm, I may need to revisit that. And then when you post something on there, I said, oh, crap, what did I get wrong? (laughs) 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 It's kind of what I'm thinking. So, no, I I respect your work a lot and I've really enjoyed getting uh, getting to know your work in just the short time you've been at PFF, at least to my knowledge. How long have you been at PFF? 
Um, this will be my second uh, year full time. Okay. That's what I was yeah, yeah, I was writing. I was writing part time um, uh, before last season, just for a year, and then uh, this this will be my second year writing it full time. So nice. um, not very long, <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you. Okay. I appreciate you saying that. That means a lot. Glad to have you in the space. Yeah, uh, so I'm 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 very part time over at DynastyFootballFactory.com. I'm you know. Um, the, the pandemic economy has knocked me sideways a little bit, so I haven't spent as much time writing as I would like. But um, my focus is I enjoy researching what teams are going to do schematically and understanding how that's going to affect uh, IDPs. And uh, that's, not, that's something I picked up very early on as an IDP player. Uh, I, I remember uh, to this day, uh, folks would list Carl Joseph as a breakout player going into his second year. I'm like, well, first of all, he's bad. Second of all, they just hired Paul <laughs> Gunther. <laughs> that's not going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's it just kind of enjoy thinking about you know what these schemes mean we talked a little bit about it with with the detroit lions out there and you know i read that dean marlowe has identified himself as the box safety for in, in sub packages for the lions like he might be full yeah. bs and it might be wrong but it's still interesting note to put in your in you know to keep in your head and think about it as you're valuing these players. And so that's the kind of thing that I enjoy doing. And that's what I've been focusing on at dynastyfootballfactory.com. Um, and, uh, the other thing is like you mentioned at the beginning, I want to start doing a little bit more podcasting with the getting defensive team, Gary, the IDP tipster and uh, jumping on with him on Thursday nights and talk a little bit of football, football. And we're going to do something that's going to be a real challenge for me, which is limit us ourselves to 45 minutes. So that can be <laughs> <one window. laughs> a novel concept and IDP pods. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's impossible. I, I don't know how people do it. I can't do it. Uh, but yeah, definitely go check out uh, Trip and his work over at Dynasty Football Factory. Tune into his show uh, starting on Thursdays with uh, with the IDP tipster on uh um, getting defensive and yeah, you, you did, you've been writing up some nice information on the, on the defensive schemes as well. That's, that's really good. I think you wrote the most recent one was on the Dallas Cowboys, uh, what their defensive schemes could look like, uh, under Dan Quinn. So definitely go check out that as well. All very important stuff for, uh, for IDP, like you said. Um, but again, thanks again for, for coming on. I, I really appreciate it. And uh, we'll have to do it again sometime. That'd be awesome. I'd love to be back. Thanks again. Awesome, man. All right. And if you're looking for more of me uh, and my work, you know, I can be reached on Twitter at PFF underscore Macri. Uh, the DMs are always open. If you have any IDP questions or just want to talk football, I'm always happy to chat. Uh, I also write a weekly fantasy article throughout the offseason for PFF.com and then doing waiver targets and start sit article weekly uh, articles weekly in season. Uh, you can also find my rankings and projections on PFF.com. And if you use the promo code right now, uh, save 40. So that's S-A-V-E 4-0. You'll get 40% off a PFF Edge or Elite subscription, which will also will get you access to all of our locked content on the site, as well as grades, fantasy draft guides, NFL draft guides, uh, college football preview magazine, everything that we have. So go take advantage of that because that 40% off is one of the biggest discounts, probably the biggest discount that we offer all year long. And on the next episode, uh, the IDP guru himself, Mr. Ryan Sitzman, is going 
to be joining me to talk about the best values and sleepers to target for the 2021 season, which I'm very excited about as well. Definitely going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to, to getting to talk to Ryan and I hope you will all check that out. But until next time, IDP's out.